Bible says here in Luke 1 and verse 26, it says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. The Bible says, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored. And I love these words, and the Lord is with you. How many want the Lord to be with them on today, amen? Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Verse 30, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And as we continue to read the text, I want you to put your name in Mary's place. Verse 31, you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. I almost lost some folk when it says you, you will be with child. Uh, stay with me now. Keep, keep your, your name where Mary's name is. Verse 32. And uh, he will be great and will be called the son of what everybody? The most high God. And then the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob for how long? I'm going to talk back to me. For how long? And his kingdom will never end. Verse 34. Mary, and uh, this is, as I was reading this, this week, this, this question just leaped out of my mind. And I said, man, the Holy Spirit said, preach this. Preach this. He's, she says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel. Somebody shout, how will this be? Since I am a virgin. Or many other versions says, I have no husband. I've been with no man. I have not known a man. In other words, she is not in a sexual relationship in the confines of marriage with a man. How can this happen when I'm not doing anything to prepare for a baby? Verse 35, the angel answered the Holy Spirit. Let me read that one more time. How will this be, Mary asked, the angel, since I'm a virgin. Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And I'm talking to you now. And the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born, be born will be called the Son of God. We're coming to an end. We're in verse 38. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month. I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary proclaimed. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. I want to teach today on the subject, the spirit of of Christmas the spirit of Christmas what is the spirit of Christmas um, is it 
folk finally being nice one day out of the year. <laughs> uh, what is the spirit of Christmas? Is it giving? Is the spirit of Christmas uh, loving kindness towards family members? Is it joy and peace? Well, according to our text today, the spirit of Christmas is not an idea. The spirit of Christmas is a person. The context of this particular passage of scripture is, is very clear. The angel of the Lord is starting to show up under the direction of God to very strange places. The Bible says that supernatural, somebody shout supernatural supernatural how many want supernatural things in your life to see stuff happen beyond what you could accomplish but god stuff in your life am i talking to anybody in here today who wants to see more than you've ever seen before you want to know that god is doing something so often many of us are confused with god and ourselves and we don't really know who is at work but i don't know if there's anybody that wants to claim supernatural moves of god in your life the Bible says that in this text of scripture, after years, hundreds of years, where there's been no word from the Lord, the people of God have been shut off from communication with God. Nobody is prophesying. Nobody is declaring the word. People are essentially, as Desire of Ages says, they are just going through the motions as the priests are offering their sacrifices. No one is impressed. No one is moved. No lives are being changed. No, no power in the church. And then God, the Bible says in Galatians, in the fullness of time, at the right time, somebody say the right time, He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. At the right time, God knew when to show up. And I just want to pause and say today, if anybody is waiting on God, keep waiting on him. Just hang in there because the Lord will show up when he feels he's ready to show up. Don't be dismayed. Don't, uh, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't get impatient, but hang in there. Your God will see you through. He will come through. And in the fullness of time, men and women have been praying. People were desperately waiting. The Romans had taken over uh, the authority of, of God's people, and they were subjugated to oppression, and they were at their wits' end. They were looking for a savior. And then an angel shows up. Angel Gabriel. I don't know how it happened in heaven, but I see a conversation with God and God looks at the archangel Gabriel. And, 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 and I'm sorry, but my mind just goes crazy when I think of an angel that has six wings. And, and at the very thought that God gives to him, move Gabriel. Gabriel in the thought of God's mind moved at the time God said. And he had literally exploded on planet earth. And notice now he did not go to a place where the most gifted were. He did not show up to a place that they had expected. The religious leaders, the, the priests, the church folk, he did not go there. The word of God says that he showed up in the ghettos of Galilee. He first shows up to Zechariah, and Zechariah is a priest, and Zechariah is offering worship and incense to God, and, and Zechariah is so used to nothing happening in church that when the angel shows up, Zechariah doubts that the angel of God really is there. Has anybody ever been there before? You've just been going through the motions for so long. You've been praying for something to happen, and when God finally moves it in your life, you don't even know how to receive it because you've been so stuck. God help us today. 
Word of God says because of his unbelief, God made, God made Zechariah mute. And when he walked out of the presence of God, having seen an angel, being told of the angel that you're barren wife, you're an old man, but you're going to have a son and his name is John the baptizer. And he came out. He had no words. He, he was just moving his, his hands and, ex, and facial expressions. And, and somehow he was able to communicate the word that God had given. That a prophet is on the scene. And God is about to do something. One of the Lord says that by this time that the text we have just read. That Zachariah's wife Martha is in her sixth month. It's been a long time since we've had children, but I think that's her second trimester. Come on, help me out now. Moving now into her third trimester. And, and notice, let's not pass this by just without thought. A barren woman becomes pregnant. And, and, the, and, and, the, and the example is very clear. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit was responsible for loosing her womb for the man of God. The Bible says that, that John the Baptist in his mama's womb was filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible then goes on to say that Gabriel is not finished with his supernatural movings. And then he shows up to a, a young teenage girl. Most scholars suggest that she may have been 17 or 18 years old. And, and she is not from a well-to-do family. She does not have much talent or skill that would make us be inclined to her. But God shows up to a young person and a young folk in the house. Hear me now. God shows up to a young person with this proposition. I'm going to change the world through the Messiah, but I want you to be the vehicle through which the Messiah comes. <laughs> now, understand this. God is telling her, I want to do the impossible. Somebody say the impossible. I want to do the impossible in your life. Understand now, listen to the proposition. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is going to overshadow you. She says, how's this thing going to happen? You're going to put the Son of God, the Messiah, the King of Kings. In other words, you're going to put my creator in my belly. You're going to make me the mommy of my daddy. You, you are going to allow me to be the vehicle through which my Savior, and notice now, she, she was not in, not in a lack of faith, but she was so stunned at the idea. She says, I'm just engaged to be married. And understand in those days when you were engaged to be married, how many know you were basically married? As a matter of fact, if a man were to leave his engaged, uh, uh, his engaged uh, wife or the one he was betrothed to, it would be considered adultery. Come on and hear somebody. You couldn't lead nobody to the altar, get counseling with them, and then walk out on them. Come on, say amen. At that point, you are already hitched. At this point, they were just examining the character of both individuals and making sure that the dowry was in place or the financial uh, part was in place so that when the time for the wedding took place, there was no, no surprises. I wish I could talk about that today. Sitting in counseling sessions and folk find out about bad credit after they get married. Find out about children after they get married. Come on and hear somebody. Find out that they're not even divorced after they get married. But in those days, you had to make sure that all was well before the wedding. And now Mary, 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 the angel says, he said, listen, he says, understand. He says, I'm about to do in you what cannot be done. 
I'm going to do in you what cannot be done. The impossible, Mary, is coming into your life. God, help us today. How many of us are waiting on God to do the impossible? I think many of us have given up on the impossible. Many of us believe impossible is what it is. If it, it's, if I can't see it, if I can't, if I can't, if I can't feel it, if I can't, if I can't, if I can't, if I can't, if I can't control it, then it cannot happen. But understand this. Oh, God, help me to preach this today. God works best in the realm of the impossible. He does not want us to see it. He does not want us to feel it. He does not want us to control it. If we can see it, if we can feel it, if we can control it, then it's not God. The only matter of fact, the way that you know that God is really at work in your life is when you are living in between the impossible. Many of us live too safe in our Christian experience. We only do what we can see. We only do what is expected of us. But I don't know about you. I want more in my Christian experience. I want to see God do what the word said he can do. And that's do the impossible. Consider now. A holy God. The creator of the ends of the earth. A God. Oh, God, please help me. Stay right here. Somebody here today is, has given up on a situation in your life. You have become full of unbelief. You have become full of doubt. You have gotten to a place where you do not think it will work out. Stand still. As a matter of fact, I'm coming to understand that God doesn't even want it. <laughs> he, he works much better when the situation is totally jacked up. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? There are certain situations in our lives where we have, where they have become unmanageable. Where we can't scheme it, we can't control it. There are children in our households that we have prayed for and we are losing control. We can't handle it. Understand now, this is not preacher talk. This is the word of God. The Bible tells us when God presents you with an impossible situation, that you need to stand and believe that because it's God that works in impossible. He said there is nothing impossible with God. Can I tell you something? You want to start looking where God is going to start working? Look at situations that seem impossible. You're thinking, well, I wonder where God's going to work. I want you to find the worst situation in your life. And guess what? That's where he's going to move. <laughs> he says, look. Joseph ain't going to do this thing. She said, how's this thing going to be? Now, I'm with you. You got to give credit to the young lady's faith. She did not question whether it could happen. She just simply wanted to know, how's this thing going to work out? Come on, say amen. (laughs) How many of y'all are right there right now? I mean, you believe God, (laughs) but you're just trying to figure out, now, how are you going to do this thing? Now, Lord, I'm just going to be honest with you. I've been faithful to this man, and I'm not knowing him. Now, outside of me having a sexual relationship with my husband, how do you have a baby? 
Some crazy theologians would wish to suggest that the reply of the angel is suggesting some kind of crude interaction between God and humanity. But understand, no such thing happened. The Bible says that God is spirit. Amen, somebody? He is not flesh. God didn't have no sex with no woman. Let me tell you what happened. The Bible says, look at the text. The Bible says, she says, how is this thing going to happen? And this is really what I want to preach today. How is this impossible thing going to happen? God in me? I'm going to be God's mama? You're going to put Jesus in me? Stick with me now. How in the world are you going to get something so pure, so holy, so powerful? How are you going to get that in me? They're not with me yet. I'm asking you, how is God going to get Jesus in you? Understand this now. I have figured this thing out. It's so easy to be a church person. I mean, I figured that thing out. I can be, if, if, if all it took was just being a good church person, all of us would be saved. Come on in here, somebody. Come on, we know how to do that thing. We know how to like the people that like us. Come on, say amen. We know how to shout when we're supposed to shout. Uh, we know how to show up to church. We know how to do the thing that church people are required to do. We know how to look holy and look spiritual. We know how to make our marriages look like our marriages are great when all kind of hell is going on at home. We know how to make our children look respectful when at home they're really not respectful. We know how to look like we are all together when we know our lives are full of turmoil. I don't know about you, but I didn't figure out how to do church. But one of the things that I have struggled with in my walk is how to get Jesus in me. How do I not act like my mama? How do I not act like my daddy? But how do I actually live like Jesus? The incarnation is simply a metaphor to show us what God, oh hear me, what God wants to do in your life. The same thing God did to Mary, he wants to do in you. God, Jesus wants to get in you. Jesus, Jesus, not religion, Jesus, not denomination, Jesus, I don't know about you today, but how many know that you need more Jesus, Jesus, now understand now. She's like, how can this thing be? How you going to do this? Do you know who I am? Come on in here, somebody. Why would God want to get in me? Colossians tells us in uh, chapter 1 and verse 27, he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Can we go back in time a little bit? Understand now, God, after sin, could not, because of his holiness, put himself in the midst of his people because he's so holy and so pure and so above us that because of sin, he would have destroyed us if he existed in us. So what he had to do is he had to subjugate himself and condescend himself by putting himself in a thing called the most holy place. And there will be a cloud by day and fire by night and it would rest over the mercy seat. And only the priest one day out of the year could go in. And when he went in, he had to be holy because if he thought the wrong thought, God would kill him. Do you remember Uzzah? 
God's presence was so awesome. Hear me now. God's presence was so powerful that Uzzah, that Uzzah, just simply because he reached out and tried to help God by touching the ark, the word of God says just the touch of the presence of God killed him dead. He's holy. (laughs) He's righteous. There is no error in him. He does not make mistakes. He, he does not make errors. He's never late. He's, he's, never, he's never early. He's always on time. He is God all by himself. He is sovereign. When he speaks, things happen. He is more God than there ever was a God. He is so much God that just his very existence cannot be understood. He is a mystery. He is powerful. He is God. And the angel says, that's going to get in you. I'm going to end this. Listen to me, Glenville. I think this is what we are missing in church. If you were to read the Bible, watch this from Genesis to Revelation, watch this, and have never gone to church. If somebody were to put you on an island, you never went to any church, and you just opened the Bible and read the Bible, and then walked in a church, you would be disturbed. Something is wrong. Something is wrong today just as much as it was wrong when Jesus came. There is an absence of God in his people. We are no different than the people in the world. And, you know, people, the first thing people like to say to me is, well, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't go to the club anymore, I don't cuss, I don't do all those kind of things. If that's the only standard... For, not, for being a good person, then how many know there's folk all on your job, don't go to church, they don't believe in God, but they are good people. Let me give you an illustration. If I had an encounter with God, right? This is just an illustration. Let's say I had an encounter with God where God showed up at my house, 3802 Shannon Road, Cleveland Heights, Ohio. He came in my room. And he filled me with a special ability to play basketball. Just an illustration. Let's say he came in me and he says, I'm going to give you supernatural. I, God, am going to give you the ability to be a ball player. If I went and tried out for the Cleveland Cavaliers, I shouldn't just make the team. I should be the best player that ever existed. I'm talking about God now, right? If God touched my ball skills, I should never miss a jumper. If God touched my game, I should jump out of the gym. I should be able to defend anybody. Kobe, LeBron, none of them. None of them. I can check them all because you guess what? It's not me doing it. It's God playing ball in me. I don't know about you. That's unfair to have God. 
they can have 20 players. But if I just got God in me, come on in somebody. I'm not even, listen, by the time they throw the ball inbound, I'm not driving the ball to the basket. I'm throwing the ball up, closing my eyes and watching me drop threes from all over the gym. Am am I not right about it? If God is playing in me, there should be a clear difference between my game and everybody else's game. If God is playing through me. Now, everybody says, I mean, there are very few Christians who will say that they they have some knowledge of the Holy Spirit. They'll tell you what it's not. They'll say, it's not this. It's not that, you know, they tell you, I mean, anytime you get into a discussion, all kinds of thoughts. But here's the question. Forget all that. Do you have the Holy Spirit working in your life? Do you, I don't know, I don't care what your knowledge base. Is there power that makes you clearly separate from everybody else? You know what the spirit of Christmas is? The Holy Spirit. You know, as I was studying the text, you know, and no disrespect to anybody who is preaching any other way. As you read this thing carefully, you will see that everything that happened when Jesus first came here to planet Earth was directly responsible to the Holy Spirit. Mary's like, how is this going to happen? And the Lord says, I will overshadow you. Now, you know what that means? The word overshadow is the same word used for the Shekinah glory of God that would fill the tabernacle. Let me break that down for those who don't know what that is. In other words, Shekinah is the manifest presence of God walking into a room. I'm not talking about we hope God is here. We're praying for his presence to be with us today. We're just hoping that he moves in this place. And let's be honest, and this is, this is just a strange thing to me. And I've been wrestling with this in the word. I don't have all the answers, but I know that there is something wrong. There is no power in God's people. There is no joy in God's people. There's no praise in God's people. There's no ministry in God's people. There's no fruit in God's people. We got the same problems everybody else has. We got the same. There is nothing different between us and the world. And the minute that the Holy Spirit shadowed over Mary, oh, there's something that happens when you get into the presence of God. When you are in the presence of God, life comes forth in you. Watch this. I'm, I'm going to close this out. God has just been saying to me, I want everybody to hear me on this. The vehicle to be like Jesus is the Holy Spirit. You cannot be like Jesus if you have not been filled, baptized, sanctified, anointed by the Holy Spirit. We don't even talk about the Holy Spirit. Christians, that ought to be a part of their language, the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God, spirit of this, spirit of that, spirit of this. Understand now, look in the book of Acts. 
When God started his early church, the thing that made those ordinary people do extraordinary things was the spirit of God. Now, if we were to take some of the Christians in the book of Acts and transplant them through a time machine and put them in our church today, they will say, what is this? Y'all worried about money? Y'all come to church one day a week? People don't show up for prayer meetings? Y'all come because it's Christmas and I ain't been to church in a year and I guess I need to show up? What? If a Christian from the early days of the church showed up here and says, man, they're dressed real nice. Man, the music was great. We didn't even have music in our services. But there's something missing. They crowd the buildings and they they critique what happens in the service. But where are the lives that are being changed? As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the early church, they were so imbued with the power of the Holy Spirit that daily people were coming to Jesus, not because of the apostles, but because of them. When God is in you, God changes people's lives. What's wrong with Glenville? What's wrong with Cleveland? What's wrong with Ohio? What's wrong with North America? We, the Ichabod, the glory of the Lord has departed from us. Even as I preach this message, there are people who have no concern about the Holy Spirit. Understand, brothers and sisters, that if you do not have the presence of the Spirit of God in your life, you are lost. There's no such thing as I'm a Christian and then I become spirit-filled Christian. There's only one thing. I'm a spirit-filled Christian. How's this thing going to happen? The Holy Spirit. Now, 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 hold on now. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know about you. And I'm just going to be honest. The hardest thing for me to preach, the subject that I get nervous about, that I'm like, I don't know what to say, is the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about easy stuff. I'm talking about, you know why? Can I tell you why? (laughs) Because I confess that I have been living on intermittent fumes of the Holy Spirit. I know how to do enough to get by. Come on, talk to me in here. I know how to fake it until I make it. But see, I don't know about you, and and I'm not trying to elevate myself over anybody, but I just want to say this. I want more. I want to see God do the impossible. 
church has become too difficult. Pastoring has become too difficult. But check this out. If Jesus is doing it in me through the power of the Holy Spirit, then Christianity is not difficult at all. You know why? Because I'm not doing it. He's doing it in me. That's how the impossible becomes possible because God is not going to leave it up to you to do it. God says, I'm going to come down from heaven. I'm going to fill you with my Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit gets in your life, impossible becomes possible. I'm going to end this. marriages are no better than the world's. Our children are just as lost as everybody else's. You got to work people up to get them to be excited about God. We're living on empty and we're faking it. There are, there, are, there are demonic spirits that are running our homes. Merry Christmas. I can't sit comfortable at Christmas. I'm like Mary. I need to know how you're going to do this thing. We got children and family members. They won't set foot in this church. They won't show up. They won't pray. We got folks strung out on drugs in the church. We got people strung out on alcohol in the church. People are hurting. People are broken. And we're doing everything we can to fight the devil on our own. But God says, let me overshadow you. Let me get back to the basics. What are the basics? What's the spirit of Christmas? The spirit is the Holy Spirit. I will do it in you. I will will guide you into all truth. I don't know about you. I'm 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 old school with my thinking. I just think that the Holy Spirit makes up the difference. How do you just come to church? You cannot be a Christian if you just show up for a service. I cannot call myself a Cleveland Cavalier if I go to their games. I'm a fan. Not a follower. A fan cheers them on, win or lose, but they never get to play. I want to play. I want to walk in the hospital rooms and see folk get healed. I want to pray for the young people in this church and see them be delivered from pornography and sexual sin and generational curses. God, we need the glory to fill the house. I'm sick of divorce courts and I'm tired of lies and tired of backbiting and tired of broken relationships and tired of seeing the same old thing in the church that many of us saw when we were out in the world. I don't know about you today, but there needs to be a difference. The anointing of God is what we need.
Luke 11 tells us how we get the Holy Spirit. You don't have to speak in tongues. You don't have to roll over the floor. You don't have to give any money. He said, ask. This thing is so simple. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door will be open. If a father who is evil is willing to give good gifts to his children. I know what a real Santa Claus is. It's the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost pours gifts into us. He puts Jesus in. He puts patience in. He puts kindness in. He puts self-control in. I'm telling you today, I know this is not deep, but I'm just telling you, there needs to be a return to the Spirit of God. young people when the angel of the Lord came looking for somebody to carry Jesus the angel bypassed the old people the first place he went was for young people I'm frightened because we have a generation of kids who know nothing of the Holy Spirit and his work they know more hip hop than they know the Holy Spirit Can I raise the bar for a minute? We have set a poor example in making people think that if we just attend and show up, then that is what a Christian looks like. I repent today for not demonstrating more power.